morning, church. Normally, I would say it's good to see you. Um, maybe it's good to be seen. But I uh, want you to know that uh, as I came into this illustrious garage of filming, that uh, I have your faces in my head. I can recall standing on stage and seeing you, and I miss seeing you. And I, I hope this message finds you well. <clears throat> I know COVID has been very hard on a lot of you. And it's been challenging uh, working from home, maintaining finances. And I want you to know my heart goes out to you. I think about you. I pray for you. And I, I, really, I really hope that uh, this message comes with some grace and encouragement. And uh, I trust the Holy Spirit's with you, bringing you the peace and the faith that you need in these difficult times. So I'm sorry we can't be more together to share those burdens, but uh, we're with you in heart and spirit, and we think about you often and miss you. Uh, we are in a series in the book of Romans, and we've entitled this, uh, This is Normal. And so we just finished looking at chapter 12. We're now looking at chapter 13. And uh, <clears throat> what I want to do before I get right into the verses is I want to I share a few qualifiers. So I want to say what, first of all, Romans 13 is not saying. Because it's a passage that's a little contentious. It's a passage that in history has been misused by leaders. And I just want to, I don't want to be misunderstood. And I don't want the, the moment of the letter to be misunderstood. So the Bible has a larger story or narrative on how God's people relate to government. And Romans 13 doesn't capture all of it. So uh, what does Romans 13 not say? It's not saying that there is a time to be civil dis civilly disobedient. So uh, we have in scriptures some examples. Daniel with King Darius, he defied the king's law regarding worship and was thrown in the lion's den, Daniel chapter 6. And we have the uh, high priest, Jewish high priest in Acts 5, telling the disciples not to preach in Jesus' name. And they did so anyways. Other examples would be in Daniel, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, who defied a king's law and were thrown into the fiery furnace. And historically, we have examples like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Christian man in Germany in the middle of World War II who did not side with his government, worked in the underground resistance, helped free Jews, and eventually uh, tried to help plan an assassination of Hitler. He was caught and, uh, and he regrets in prison um, trying to be a part of that assassination. So my whole point is... Uh, Historical figures and moments have, uh, in the Bible and outside of the Bible, have times where they have openly defied the law and the government, and they have done so righteously. And I feel actually it's important to talk about another great figure, Harriet Beecher Stowe, and uh, her works in the Underground Railroad to get freed slaves out of the South. So that there, are, there are moments where civil disobedience openly defying in word and in deed the law that has been given by government. That is appropriate at times. 
Also, as we read Romans 13, I don't want you to get the idea that earthly authority will not be held accountable. Look around you. Look at the countries you've come from. There is plenty of injustice. I think of uh, the Chinese government treatment of Uyghurs. I think of the historical and current treatment of African Americans in the United States. Think of the indigenous people in Canada. And uh, sometimes it's hard to see that government authority will be held accountable for their wrongdoing. And the, the Bible promises us they will. That um, <clears throat> it says in Isaiah chapter 10 that God held Assyria in judgment for the way they treated Israel. So Assyria occupied uh, Israel's land and its people. And Israel had to live under their rule. And at times their rule was cruel and unjust. And God said in Isaiah, I'm going to judge them for that right now in real time. But sometimes it doesn't always happen in the moment. And we read in Revelation chapter 18 that the city of Babylon, the sort of symbol of all wickedness and unrighteousness in the world. It says in Revelation 18 that Babylon, which means not just the ancient city, but every city like her on earth will eventually be held accountable. So maybe not now, but eventually all authority will be held accountable. And Romans 13 is not addressing those issues. That's true of the biblical narrative. That's true of the larger topic. And I feel like they're important qualifiers to say as I talk directly about the occasion of Romans 13 so that we don't misunderstand what Paul's trying to say especially given what is going on in uh, the world today. <clears throat> um, so there's really an important uh, framework to understand. The Bible lays out uh, three distinct spheres or zones <clears throat> in that God is the head of everything and God has made governing authorities whether it's a prime minister, a president, or a chancellor, head of society. God is head of the government. Government is head of society. Scripture also tells us that God is head of the church and the elders are head of the body. Elders are not head of society. And presidents are not head of the church. And in cases where we have that, things don't go very well. This is called the separation of church and state. So uh, Caesar, in their time, had the right to rule in his realm. And elders of the church and the Apostle Paul had right to rule in their realm. And when Caesar crossed over from his realm to try to tell the church what to do, that is when uh, the disciples disobeyed. Because their ultimate authority they were responsible to was God. So that's, those are the clear lines of distinction that the scripture lays out. And uh, that's really helpful for us going forward. Okay, so let's actually look at Romans chapter 13. If you can open up, I'm going to read in the NIV. And uh, unfortunately, I don't have that cool scribe thing set up. But uh, I'm going to emphasize the words that I think are important. And you can take notes as needed. So Romans 13 chapter 1 NIV. Let everyone... Be subject to governing authorities, 
For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So in this opening line, Paul is being very clear. And everyone who studied this passage is very clear on his clarity. God has established all leaders. All of them. And everyone, every soul, it actually says, is to be in subjection, is to submit to those authorities. Unequivocally, no exceptions. They have been established to rule in their domain. Verse 2, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Instituted and judgment. So look, Paul's saying it's quite simple. Not only has God established uh, government to uh, lead the domain of society, but if you do wrong, if you break their laws, they'll punish you. It's kind of straightforward. Uh, Verse 3, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be, you will not be condemned. So, we're we're progressing into a description of who this authority is. First of all, God has established all authority. Second of all, that authority has a purpose, and that purpose is to approve what is good and judge what is wrong. And if you do what is wrong, you'll be punished. If you do what is good, you'll be commended. And that the civil authority, the government, is there for your good. It's not just that they're in power to draw the line in the sand. They're actually there for your good as a citizen of their society. So this is the design. This is the purpose of government as God has established it. Verse 4. For the one in authority is God, and they are your servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath, to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So not only has God established earthly rulers to govern society, not only is there a design or an intent to that authority, but in fact they are his servants preserving and protecting his justice. So their authority does not come from themselves and the judgment they administer does not come from themselves. God is the head. So God is the source of the authority and justice that worldly authority ought to preserve and protect as servants he's established in his name. So Paul's drilling down, he's getting more descriptive and it's going to get a little even more narrow for us. Verse 5. And I think this is the important verse in this section, and I'm going to talk more about it in a minute. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. So punishment and conscience. Verse 6. This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities of God's servants who give their full time to governing, Give everyone to what you owe them. If taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. So, Paul is saying, clearly, 
There's no misinterpretation here. Uh, as servants of God, they require resources. So pay your taxes. And if there's a toll, pay the toll. And if they deserve honor, honor them. Okay? <clears throat> so we followed Paul's progression of thought from the broad down to the narrow, something very practical. And uh, it sounds a little textbook. So let me just, uh, let me uh, add, add something to it. God has established Prime Minister Justin Trudeau as leader over our society. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is God's servant. Prime, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, his job as God's servant is to administer, to protect and promote God's justice. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau deserves your taxes and your honor. Okay, so starting to feel uncomfortable. God has established all authority. I can buy into that. But as Paul gets narrow, <clears throat> it starts to get uncomfortable. And all we have to do is insert some names. So let me try this one more time. God has established President Trump as the leader of American society. For some of you, that might be easy to stomach. For others, not so much. Doesn't matter. God has established President Trump. So honor him. Honor President Trump. And if you owe anything, pay it. He is God's servant. Here, designed, established to do good for you and to preserve and protect justice. So <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I find this statement a little uncomfortable now because all we have to do is look at the leaders around us and go, shoot, I don't see a lot of preservation and protection and promotion of God's justice. In fact, I don't even think they know that he, they are his servants. In fact, I don't even think they know how wicked they are. In fact, in fact, in fact. Some of you came here from another country. You might have left that country because the government is really untrustworthy. I don't blame you for leaving. But Paul is saying every leader, Trump, Trudeau, Duterte, Putin, Xi, Boris Johnson, all of them, all of those leaders, Angela Merkel, they are all established by God. For your good, as his servants, to administer justice. So honor them and pay your fees. So there's really no mincing Paul's words in Romans 1 to uh, 7. Um, but what Paul is doing is Paul is hyperlinking. He's referring to Mark chapter 12 when Jesus says, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. So as he's writing and as the church in Rome is reading, uh, he is uh, reminding them of the words of Jesus. These aren't just his. This was God's idea. That's why he established the authorities to begin with. So what is the problem you and I are faced? 
uh, it's actually the same problem that the church in Rome has faced. So I'd like to just give you a little occasion of the letter. Uh, the church in Rome is in the capital city of the Roman Empire, the most diverse and divisive city in the world. Power, influence, uh, diversity, it's all there. And everybody has a political opinion. Everybody wants to be there. And society is fractured, meaning there's people at the bottom who don't have much and people at the top, like Caesar and his friends who have everything. And you can tell that all of society is structured to their benefit. Kind of sounds familiar. Uh, the Roman church, the church in Rome, their population is reflective of society, which is good. They have a very diverse crowd, Jews, non-Jews. And actually, the Caesar kicked out all the Jews from Rome for five years and brought them back. So you had a diverse church, and then you had a mono-ethnic church, and then you had a diverse church again, who were uh, in disagreement over Jewish history, Christians of the day, and all the politics in between. You had Jews who enjoyed uh, a lot of the freedoms the Roman Empire gave them, and then you had Jews who said, uh, I hate this, I'm going to rebel. And they try to overthrow Caesar and they plot against him. Now, all Jews wanted to be on their own land together without Roman occupation. That was the hope of their Messiah, was political freedom. Get out from underneath Rome's thumb. But you had, you had such a diverse res, uh, uh, responses to that political situation in the church. And then, of course, non-Jews at all who thought themselves more free and, uh, and closer to the gospel. So Paul is writing a letter to the church in Rome in this sort of dilemma. And I don't know about you, but that sounds kind of familiar. And he is writing a letter. And in that letter, chapters 1 to 3, he talks about how humans lack God's righteousness because of sin. In chapters 4 to 5, he says how we receive God's righteousness by faith. In chapters 6 to 8, he demonstrates God's righteousness by being transformed followers. In chapters 9 to 11, he confirms God's righteousness and saving of the Jews. And in chapters 12 to 16, where we find ourselves in chapter 13, Paul shows how to apply this righteousness in practical ways. I want you to think of chapter 12 to 16 as a big therefore. So after Paul has laid out everything, and, and the book of Romans is considered his greatest work and most comprehensive work on the Christian message and the Christian life. And so chapter 12 is a big, so therefore, what ought you to do? And that's why we say, what is the new normal? How should Christians live in relationship to one another and the government? So the church is politically divided. The church is ethnically divided. The church is tempted to bring in all of these things that undermine their unity. They have extremists and moderates, Jews and Gentiles. And Paul is writing to the church the message and good news of the gospel, which means submitting to earthly authority. So, like I said, I think this sounds familiar. I think you and I can identify with it. All we have to do is look at our uh, nation, our neighbors, or any other nations around the world. And it seems to be that we are just as equally 
have the potential to be as equally dismissive and argue over how we ought to relate to government. So what, what is the problem we're having? What is the problem Paul's addressing in this very clear statement and he lays out government? The first thing is unity. Paul is writing to them and to us through the Holy Spirit to keep us united. The world is fractured with differences. Diversity, haves, have-nots, race, political agendas. Everyone keeps hoping politics will rise up and save the day, but I think we know that's not true. And Paul is saying, look, the people of Christ are to be unified under him, not fractured by the politics of the world. So submitting to governing authorities is a tangible, practical submission to God's authority, which brings unity to God's people. I've mentioned this before, but uh, uh, many of you know who Xiao is. She used to be a homestay student with us. She accepted the Lord while living with us. And so she is from China, and I am from the United States, now living in Canada. And so we have lots of fun sometimes, and sometimes heartache and misunderstanding, uh, talking about the current events of the day. But what we always sign off with is this idea that it doesn't matter how China and the United States is doing on the world stage. China and the United States is always reconciled in our relationship because we have one thing in common, and that's Christ. She is his daughter. I am his son. And we submit to him. No greater, no lesser, differences aside. So the church should not and cannot look like the way society is organized. So we submit to governing authorities as a starting point to bring unity and to keep the divisiveness away. Then there is our authority. First of all, Paul is addressing unity. Paul is also addressing authority. This this is a really heavy, important point to me, personally, and I think for us. I said to you earlier that the important verse, I think, in this section is verse 5. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. And this is what I want to address, is the issue of conscience. I've already set up the paradigm. Christ is head of the government. Government is head of society. And when you and I submit to government, earthly authority, we're also submitting to Christ. But here's the problem. We all have a little seed of rebellion. Here's what I do. Uh, Given my upbringing, The whole story of my nation's birth is centered around a violent revolution, so I just can't help it. Uh, But given my history, given my identity, the way I was raised, I am very suspicious of government. I am always looking for a reason to mistrust them. And I'm picking and choosing what I want to follow. Now, I'm not saying that I am actively disobeying laws, and for the most part, I would say you and I aren't 
Maybe there's something I don't know. And, you know, you never know with Pastor Matt, that guy's just a rebel in the wings. But for the most part, I think we're all law-abiding citizens. But there's this thing in our heart that's the matter of conscience. And uh, it undermines my authority as a Christian. Here's what I mean. The world preaches an authority unto yourself. That's what Western civilization seems to be about. Individualism and an authority unto yourself. So as I watch the government and I anticipate a reason to mistrust them, and they give me one, I start to in my heart go, ooh, I don't like where that law is heading. And uh, I'm going to decide not to follow that when the time comes. I'm being honest. I'm not going to cite which laws, but I follow what goes on in Parliament, what's coming down the pipe, and I go, ooh, that seems problematic. I'm going to figure out how to get around that one when the time comes. And I'll just wait for the next government because they'll probably reverse it. So I have this little rebellion in my heart where when earthly authority does not respect my authority and doesn't reflect the authority that they're supposed to have in God, I mistrust and I become an authority unto myself. And I kind of, I, I, I have this little rebellious seed in me and I stop reflecting Christ's authority And what I do is I don't prepare myself for his return. Uh, Every time I read Romans, I do not look forward to chapter 13. It is always a challenge to my sensibilities. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me very clearly, you know, you try to pick and choose the laws you like to follow now, you won't be able to pick and choose with me. I felt the Holy Spirit say, when, I, when Jesus comes back to be king of the world, like everything, together, um, you might not like everything I'm doing. You might not like the way I'm doing it. It might challenge your sensibilities. Will you pick and choose with me? I just, I go, ooh, that stings. But I have to reconcile that uh, even though government, earthly authority, has given me a reason to mistrust. And really, look, folks, I have not experienced any great injustice at the hands of our government. But many of you have. And I feel a conviction But it feels hard for me to say to you, your submission to unjust governing authorities is just practice. God is preparing your heart for his return. Do not think that you will like every law and decree and aspect of his leadership. So don't think we will. Don't think you won't mistrust him the way you mistrust government. And do you know how you uh, may mistrust him? Is because you have this little rebellious nature that doesn't want to submit now. And Paul has clearly said, when you submit to governing authorities, you submit to Christ. 
So this isn't just a separate. It's not an aside. It is practice. And you and I have a little bit of rebellion in our hearts. And we like to pick and choose what we follow. And the minute we are treated unjustly, we protest, we're up in arms, and we say, this is wrong. And don't get me wrong. Government is doing terrible things all the time. They are abusing the power given to them. And there are moments to stand up to them and to confront the powers that be. Don't get me wrong. But I am saying is that the matter of conscience in verse 5, the issue that is being worked out, that's being sanctified in us, is our rebellious nature. Do not think. Join me in this. Do not think that you can pick and choose to follow this government and you won't try to pick and choose with God. Don't think that you can not completely honor this earthly authority, but you're ready to honor his. The two are connected and it's a reflection of your rebellious spirit. that just feels hard for me to say. And I'm, I'm picturing some of you in my mind. I won't say who, but I'm picturing you of a few in my mind. And I care about you deeply and where you came from and what you've experienced and what you see your family continuing to experience. And uh, this feels like a hard thing to say. I have to be honest with what Paul's saying. I have to be honest with what scripture is saying in this moment. Look, you and I have real authority. And when we allow our rebellious nature to take root, we trade godly authority for earthly authority. Look, what do we have the authority to do? Mark 16, preach the gospel. Matthew 28, make disciples. 2 Corinthians 5, be ambassadors. Ephesians 6, stand against the enemy. Paul knows who he's writing to. Paul gets it. I'm not saying to this to you in a vacuum, and Paul's not writing this letter in a vacuum. Paul used to be a Pharisee. Paul was at the top of the political Jewish ladder. He benefited from the social structure, and he persecuted the church. So he understands that government is abusive and unjust because he was the unjust government. And God said, Paul, why are you persecuting my church? Furthermore, after his conversion, Paul had already been imprisoned. He went to a small town and he cast a demon out of a girl because that's what we have authority to do. Heal the sick, preach the gospel, cast out demons, make disciples. That's our God-given authority. And he does that, and he totally ruins the commercial activity of a town, so they throw him in jail. Now, he's a Roman citizen. He could have said, as they're dragging him into chains, whoa, 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 I am Roman, you can't treat me this way. But Paul allows himself to be unjustly imprisoned. And once he's out, then he says to all his captors, by the way, I'm Roman. And now they're all freaking out because the last thing they want is a Roman centurion and garrison 
riding in on horseback in the name of Caesar going, why are you breaking our laws? I think their culture, more than ours, understands submission to a higher authority even when it's unfair. I think our culture and our world and even the church has sold us this lie that somehow we can be an authority unto ourselves and an authority unto God. Well, it's not true. And the real issue is you're rebellious, not just to earthly authority, but to God's authority. But Paul understood that he had an authority from heaven. And sometimes he used that authority to preach the gospel. And sometimes he didn't use that authority to promote the gospel. Because it wasn't about the ways of the world. That's why they can't creep into the church. How do we, in unity, stand for the gospel and righteousness, even when the government does it, when we let the rebellious ways of the world creep into our community? Paul understood what he was asking the Romans to do. He was the unjust government. He was treated unjustly by the government. He's not writing this in a vacuum. I'm not saying this to you in a vacuum. I get what's going on out there. I might not have directly experienced it. But I see what's going on. And the call is the same. You and I need to be unified. And that unity is submission to Christ through governing authorities and the promotion of the gospel in the kingdom to cast out demons, heal the sick, and make disciples. The rest is fading away. The rest is not eternal, but that is. Do not give up your God-given authority by entertaining your rebellious nature and using the authority of the world to stand against the governing authorities. There's a moment for that when they cross the line. There's a moment for that when the governing authorities try to tell the church what to do. So, for example, right now, the government has said to churches in Canada, please do not gather or assemble. Not forever, but for a time. And we, like many churches, have decided to follow that order. There may come a time when the government opens up other things, but tells churches to stay close. There might be a time when the government decides to move out of its sphere of authority into the church. And that'll be a moment to say no. But we're not there yet. I don't think so. But where we are is we need to be unified and we need to walk in our God-given authority. And that rebellious spirit undermines both those things. <clears throat> We also need integrity. So Paul's speaking to unity, he's speaking to authority, and he's speaking to integrity. So when it is time, if there's a time, but I think when there is a time to disobey the governing authorities, our integrity will matter. You see, uh, all along, we've been mistrusting governments, and they've been doing the same, mistrusting you. I think that's all democracy is. It's just everyone agreeing to mistrust. And so uh, when we stand up for righteousness and use our God-given authority to proclaim the gospel and declare what is good and true, they're going to look at your record, especially in the advent of the internet. And they're going to go, they're going to look for a reason to mistrust you. 
And a life of integrity and submission to governing authorities silences their criticism. It makes the right thing the right thing. When we stand on righteous ground with a life of integrity, it helps carry the message with truth. Also, historically, submission to government has been an answer to persecution. And this, this just blows my mind. So the church in Rome, when Paul's writing to them, is under Nero. And uh, Nero was a young man. And at this time in Rome, had not begun his persecution, but would shortly after. And Christians suffered horrific injustice. Beaten, imprisoned, killed, mistreated. And what gave the gospel potency wasn't just their persistence to preach, to defy in the face of law. They kept paying their taxes. They kept submitting in every other way. And eventually, that submission in the midst of great injustice helped quell or calm the persecution against them because people just couldn't handle persecuting such an innocent people any longer. But the church exploded because God's people had integrity and they were unified and they walked in their godly authority and they paid their taxes while they were being imprisoned. I mean, you know, you would think all that just goes out the window. No. Because they were unified... And because they came with the same authority, they, first, they faced persecution with integrity. And they obeyed the governing authorities until it was unrighteous to do so. And they preached the gospel and they were persecuted and they were killed. After that, Christians experienced a great time of peace and prosperity in the Roman Empire under Constantine. And that's a different story. But my point is, is unity, authority, and integrity our integrity, our relationship with the government, the integrity of how we submit to the government brings power to our stand for righteousness and our proclamation of the gospel, especially in the face of unjust treatment. So, what was God's? What is God's response to this problem? I've been saying it, but I want to give you a picture, another short story. Jesus is our example, as always. But really, Jesus is our example. Luke 18, I'm referring to Luke 20, sorry, John 18, Luke 22, Mark 15, and Matthew 27. All of these accounts tell us the story of Jesus in front of Pontius Pilate. So what's the occasion? The Jewish authorities drag Jesus in front of Roman authorities, and they say, this man claims to be king of the Jews i.e. he's here to undermine Roman authority. He's a rebellious agent. So he goes before Pontius Pilate and they go, this guy claims to be a king. And Pilate says to him, are you the king? And Jesus says, who do you say I am? This is a little vague. And Jesus says to him, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders, but now my kingdom is from another place. Pilate said, don't you realize I have the power 
to free you or crucify you? And Jesus said to him, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. And then during that time of year, Romans traditionally freed someone who was in prison. There was a Jewish feast. It was a way to honor their society and religion. So they would free a prisoner. And so Pilate said to the crowd, this man has done no wrong. What do you want with him? They said, crucify him. And they said, well, who do you want me to release? Jesus or Barabbas? And they say, release Barabbas, crucify Jesus. So, so Pilate washes his hands and he says, I want no part of this unrighteous treatment. And he frees Barabbas. So what's going on? <clears throat> Jesus knows that Pilate's authority comes from heaven. Jesus knows that his authority comes from heaven. Jesus knows that the ultimate plan of the gospel isn't to just disrupt the Roman Empire. He's going to take over the whole world. Jesus wasn't actually a threat to Caesar. He wasn't looking to take over Rome. So he allowed himself to be unjustly labeled and he subjected himself to the governing authorities. And to add insult to injury, they demanded the release of Barabbas, who was actually a thief and actually a political dissenter. He was someone, a Jewish man, a part of political groups interested in actually overthrowing Caesar. And the Jewish authorities in the crowd demanded for Barabbas' freedom and Jesus' crucifixion. Now, I may not have experienced the injustice some of you have. But I think Jesus understands a little bit about being misunderstood, mistreated by a government that his father established and he still submitted. I think this is our response. There might come a time to, to, to stand up for righteousness in God's kingdom and say no. But I think what gives us our unity, our authority, and our integrity is to look at Jesus as the example and trust that even when governing authorities do not rule the way God designed, that our submission to unjust governing authorities is actually for our good. And again, I have a hard time saying that to a few of you I'm picturing in my head. I know what it means in theory. I haven't experienced it. But I know I see what that means in the United States. <clears throat> it's hard for me to say. But when government is good and preserves and protects the justice God has given them as his servants, they rule us and we submit to them for our good. When government is not just, when it's unfair, when it abuses the power God has given them, we submit to them for our good.
and we get treated unjustly. And instead of being divided by politics, instead of leading a life of rebellion, lacking integrity, instead of standing on earthly authority, we stand on God's authority and the church grows and the gospel has power and the world is transformed. Because as Jesus said, his kingdom is not of this world. That's why his servants don't act like other servants do. So I want to invite you, church, join me in looking at that word conscience. Check your conscience. Is politics dividing you? Is authority a bad word? Is authority hard for you to submit to? Do you pick and choose? Does your life lack integrity? Then you got to question what you're really about. Your own authority or God's? Because there's only two. You worship him, yourself, or him. And your rebellion is not worshiping him. Join me in submitting our rebellious nature to unjust and untrustworthy leaders because God established them and promised us judgment, but because we're about the business of the kingdom, not politics, because we're about the power of the gospel, not politics, because we're about lives of integrity, not our own agendas. And I don't look forward to a day where this stance will actually cost us more than we've ever given. And some of you have tasted that. But I don't see another way around it. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, would would you fill our hearts? I look at the world, I look at what's happening to my friends in the United States. Look at what's happening to my friends of color. I think of the mistreatment of indigenous people in Canada. It is wrong. And I don't, I don't justify it. I don't stand for it. I don't brush it off. It's wrong and you hate it. And it bothers me that earthly authority does not reflect how you've designed them to live. But, oh God, by your grace and your spirit and your power, would we be in submission to earthly authorities, unified, receive our heavenly authority, and live with integrity to promote the gospel, to make disciples, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to really free people from what's going to kill them. And this just confronts everything we've experienced, we think, and we're taught. With your kindness and your mercy, help us see you and the world around us in a new way. Give us the power to admit, submit, even in unjust circumstances, that we might live like Jesus and bring about your kingdom. Amen. God bless you. 
Thank you for listening to what I felt was a uh, hard message to preach, but a true one and a needed one. And uh, hope to see some of you soon. Thank you.